Better all those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. In it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Richard left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal, and Donate! 3-0! Snake from Tompkins. What a goal from Glenn Murray. He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go. Michael Smith. Into what he This is Mile High Seagulls. Uh, Post match West Ham. Uh, thank you, Josh, for doing another season of this great podcast. I love it. Um, Today was tough. Uh, at first, it felt like a loss just because I thought we were the better team. Um, we dominated possession. Pass accuracy was great. Um, but now that I've sat on it for a few hours, I just realized, you know what? At the end of the day, you know, last year we would barely get shots on targets, wouldn't score goals. Today, you know, we went down one nothing, which sucked because we were the better team, but drew right away. Um, had multiple chances at the end. I think it was Pascal Gross. Uh, it was a header um, that he almost scored, and Neil Mope had a good, uh, a good chance that was missed. And this team is so exciting. And I know it's only two games, but I'd already told one of my friends, I'm like, we, we if we play like this all year, there's no way we're going to go down. I don't know how good we're going to do. I don't know what our ceiling is, but I hope I know what our floor is. Um, overall, very positive. I mean, they pl- played great. Um, you know, we had our moments. Uh, honestly, I, I, I don't think Glenn Murray should be starting. I hate saying that because I love the guy. Um, but I just, I mean, there was just so many plays in the first half where passes went to him and he got beat by the defender. And I'm like, if that was Andone, if that was Mope, like, w- would they have gotten beaten? I know it's all hearsay because you don't know. But um, I'd like to see him come out of the starting lineup um, uh, hopefully next week um, because I think we have a lot of good players. Um, on a side note, another thing I'm really excited about, I think we, we, we chatted about this on WhatsApp earlier, is how I love the depth we have, which I think is really going to help us come Carabao Cup, come FA Cup, because this, this is a problem we had last year. We didn't really have much depth, and we have a lot of good players. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just as excited today as I was last week about the, uh, the season outlook. Um, looking forward to next week. Uh, really hope we can beat Southampton. I mean, I, I think we will. Um, and uh, but either way, I mean, I think any of us would have been happy if you said two games in we'd have four points. I would take that in a heartbeat. So um, looking forward to the podcast this year, Josh, and looking forward to the Albion this year. And uh, thank you. Hello. And welcome to Together, a Brighton and Over Albion podcast. Uh, I am Josh, your usual host. Uh, and we are now finished with week two um, of the Premier League new season. Uh, I've got Sheffield United and Crystal Palace on the TV right now. Sheffield United are 1-0 up. Happy days. Uh, Ollie Norwood, playing well. George Baldock, Sam Baldock's bro or cousin, I'm not sure, playing well. Um, but here we are, uh, post-West Ham. And uh, with a week to go until probably one of our big six-pointer games coming up at Southampton. So, you know how this works. 
it's been working this way since about Christmas. Uh, top five stories of the week. So I've been doing some digging and uh, some looking around for the Albion, uh, and I have my top five stories of the week. Um, not in order of uh, most important to least important, really just uh, chronological or just an order that makes sense for my life. So uh, story number five, Bristol Rovers in the Carabao Cup. The Carabao Cup is back, uh, something that the Albion have historically not been very good in. Um, but it's back, 27th of August, uh, we play Bristol Rovers. Uh, big questions to be put towards Graham Potter this year. Um, what kind of 11 are we going to be putting out? Uh, will we be trying a different formation? Um, will we be playing a first team? Will this be a game for players like Baluta, Sanders, Connolly um, to get a game with the first team players on a competitive kind of surface as opposed to kind of under 23s? Um it's interesting to to take a look at this because under Potter, it's a it's a really good opportunity for those players to come in um, and kind of earn themselves a cup spot, so to speak. Um, and you know they they have as many games as they want to play if they keep winning. Uh, if we were to win and then play the next game, and you know I'm sure Potter would probably play the same players. So it's a good opportunity for them. Um, something that may not have been the case in previous years. Um, but for this team, I, f I think that that may be what he looks to do. Um, and not only that, but if we are looking to move some of those names on, maybe for a loan spell, uh, especially Baluta, Connolly, um, you know, players that have already been on loan or are really broken out as a really decent player, um, this could be the perfect like advert for all of them, right? Uh, 27th of August, the, uh, the window for the lower leagues and Europe closes on the 31st, I believe, or the 1st. Um, I'm not sure because the 31st falls on a Saturday and I know they were funky about it being on weekends before. Um, so maybe it's even the 2nd. But um, it stands that that's a great late advert for them. Um, you know, if they come down and play, uh, play Bristol Rovers and they smack them all over the park, this is a great place for teams who are in Bristol Rovers division or maybe a division above to say, hey, that they can play a role for us um, and, you know, give them 46 games in a season to apply their trade in the English lower divisions, which is something I think every player should do um, when they're coming over here. You know, Christian Walton has been doing it for a long time now and he has benefited endlessly. Um, Wigan love him. So I, I see no reason why uh, this shouldn't be a great advert for them. And another question would be, how are we going to focus on the Cups this year? Um, is he going to focus on them at all? Or is he going to have a go in at them? Because that's the way he is. Um, we know Swansea should have been FA Cup semi-finalists in their first year under Graham Potter. That's my thing. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'm interested to see what he's going to do. I don't feel like he is the sort of uh, manager to put out a team and not really be bothered either way. Um, I think he probably will go for it. Um, even though he will be playing a, a different kind of squad. Um, I've got my predicted 11 out, uh, even though it's 8, 10 days away. But my predicted 11, probably button in goal. Um, I think he's not going to want to risk Ryan uh, in a Carabao Cup game. Uh, I think Max Sanders might be our right wing back. Um, the reason I say that is because he's played there in preseason. Um, if Potter thinks he can do it, he may well be uh, a player he puts up on the right wing back role. Um, I think this will probably be our first look at Weber from Bristol City. 
Um, and we'll get into why that is uh, a little bit later on. But Weber, Balogun, um, and I have Bernardo at centre-half as well. I think he'll play with the three at the back um, just to try and kind of uh, bring that blueprint into the entire team. Uh, I can see Bernardo playing at centre-back, given that Potter has outright said that that is a place he could definitely see him playing. Uh, Bong at left wing-back, Baluta and Moy in the middle, Um, and then Lacardia, Andoni, and Ali Reza. Uh, up top um again this is something that you know uh, whether Ali Razor is here or not we'll see um but that's that's my guess at an 11 no doubt it'll be nothing like it but you know you got to start somewhere (laughs) so uh story number four now story number four um was influenced just yesterday uh like I said I'm recording on Sundays um so this was just after watching the game yesterday. It's been something I've been thinking about since preseason, actually. Uh, but yesterday just cemented it. Um, I didn't do much of a deep dive into this person uh, when we signed them. Uh, and the reason being is because they weren't at the album. Uh, if you listen to my podcast, the very first one I ever did a uh, long time ago, this time last year, um, I took a look at all the new signings we made. Uh, and Dan Byrne was one that I didn't bother with um, because he had gone to Wigan on loan. Um, he wasn't going to play for us. So there was no point really in taking too much of a deep dive into a man that wouldn't turn out for the Albion. Um, so I didn't even bother. But today is that day, ladies and gents, that we get into the life and story of big Dan Byrne, as Chris Kamara loves to call him. So what's Dan Byrne all about? Well, he, uh, he applied most of his trade in the championship um, when he was younger, uh, but even then, not that often. Uh, at Fulham, he played for them from 2011 until 2016 and made 61 appearances for them. Uh, he made nine in the Premier League and 52 in the championship over, what, five years? As you can see, not a great deal. Uh, he then went on loan um, for two years, first to Yeovil, where he made 34 appearances, scored two goals for them in League One, uh, and then to Birmingham, where he made 24 appearances in the championship. Uh, however, he did finally find a more settled home uh, at Wigan, where he then spent two consistent seasons in the championship. Um, 16-17 season, uh, this is good because this is where we start being able to get some proper stats on him. Uh, he played 42 games for Wigan that season, started 39 of them, scored a goal, just the one. Um and he made 56 touches per game on average, uh, 0.3 key passes per game, uh, 12 clean sheets. He won 63% of his duels, uh, 54% on the ground, and unsurprisingly, 69% in the air. Nice. Uh, and 10 yellow cards. So very much just classic centre-half um, for Wigan, who are a team that you know aren't known for their football playing. Uh, they don't play the ball out of the back. They don't do anything fancy like that. Um it is a not altogether surprising round of stats. Um, and he was loaned back out to them last year for six months. Uh, he played 14 games for them. Uh, again, an average of 54 touches, 0.4 key passes. Uh, two clean sheets in that time. 72% of his duels won. So uh, he was definitely adapted in his games there. Um, 61% on the ground, up 7%. Um, and 81% in the air. Not a surprise when the guy is about eight foot two, uh, and three yellow cards. So he, you know, he's you can see the adaption in his style, really just growth and experience uh, from 
for a young man that's finally starting to play consistent football um, at a decent level. So how was he going to adapt uh, in a playing style and manager? You know, he was he was a Chris Hutton signing. He didn't play, um, but he was a Chris Hutton signing. Um, he made nine appearances in the Premier League seven years ago. Um, very little pedigree for the level uh, and a totally different style to anything he's ever done in his entire life. We have a very small subset of data because it's two games, um, but let's go through it and look at the differences. Um, the Potter effect, if you will. Uh, played two, averaging 1.5 shots per game. Uh, you will notice I didn't put a shots per game on the others because he was at 0.1 or 0.2 or something just ineffectual. Um, he was making an average of 71 touches per game. That is almost 20 more uh, than he was making in the championship for Wigan. Um, and one key pass per game on average in the two games so far. Um, that's compared to 0.3 and 0.4. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, this is two games. A lot can change. And, you know, to keep that level of play up would be incredible. Um, but the fact that we're already seeing that amount of touches and that amount of shots and key passes, unreal. Um, 76% pass accuracy, uh, average of three interceptions per game. He has won 75% of his tackles that he's gone in for. Um, and he has won 69% of his ground duels uh, and 91% of his aerial duels. So he is now winning 91% of his aerial duels against Premier League strikers. And this isn't just... So yesterday he was playing against Chicharito, right? Like, he's about four foot two. Um, but, you know, he also had to contend with Antonio in the second half, who is a very big aerial threat. He had to contend with Yarmolenko, who definitely has an aerial threat. And he just last week had to contend with Troy Deeney, one of the most dangerous men um, with his back to goal. And... And Andre Gray, who also pre presents that, you know, rough and ready kind of chat action. So um, the stats are unreal just two games in. Um, the change in play, you know, who would have thought a player with that kind of past uh, would be able to make this so far his future? Um, barring the assist from Dunk last week that was unbelievable. Um, has he been our best centre back this season? Um, I ask the fans. I say yes. Uh, I think he has been our best centre-half this season. I think that he has just defied all odds. Um, you know, we signed Weber uh, undoubtedly as a person who would be replacing Dan Byrne. Um, and now, frankly, um, he looks like if he's going to replace anybody, it's going to be Shane Duffy, um, who it isn't clear. I was going to say he's clearly, but he's not. But he... He is struggling somewhat with the style of play, um, playing the ball out from the back and playing those passes. Um, he is definitely the weak link of the three. Uh, I definitely don't want him dropped yet. But, you know, out of the three, I think he's probably in the most danger of losing his spot to Weber. Um, so I asked the fans. 84 people responded uh, with votes on Twitter. Um, only two games in, uh, but two games with a brand new formation and, and a back three. So who has been our best centre-half so far this season? Um, Duffy came in at 5%. Lewis Dunk came in at 31%. And uh, out of 84 votes, Dan Byrne was the winner with 64% of the votes. So the people do not lie. Uh, the stats also prove, as you can see, that Dan Byrne has not only improved himself unbelievably under Potter... Uh, and transformed his style under Potter, but the fans can see it too. Um, 
He was our man of the match yesterday. Uh, sponsors man of the match. Uh, fans man of the match, I believe, was Trossard. But Dan Byrne is an absolute monster. And he is one of the first names on the team sheet after two games. Unbelievable to say it, but it is no less true. Long may it continue, even if we have got £20 million centre-half sitting on the bench. <laughs> so, moving on to story number three. Uh, the transfer window. So, the transfer window ain't gone yet. Um, with the EU and lower leagues looking to finish their window in two weeks, um, do we see any movement from the Albion? So, this is only outbound, um, but I've listed one, two, three, four, five. Five players um, that I think may uh, or could benefit from leaving the club. So, first one is Toma Hemed. Um, there is something going on with Charlton right now. Uh, it's a bit of an absolute joke um, from what I can gather. Um, the FA are inept beyond belief. Um, but Charlton and the Albion are waiting to see if the deal could be done um, to send Toma Hemed over to Charlton. Uh, the sooner the better. I hope that it goes through um, because I think it's A, a great move for him and B, a hell of a signing for them. Uh, as a team that just got promoted to bring in Toma Hemed and Baram Kayao, uh, barring what, whatever else they've brought in, you know, is immediate improvement on anyone they've got um, because these are players that won promotion already. So I hope that goes through. Um, he was kind of a no-brainer for one of my five, um, but hopefully it will happen. So somebody else, uh, Max Sanders. Uh, personally, he's someone who may well get looked to go out on loan. Personally, I'd keep him. Um, but I know that there's no doubt going to be people inquiring about him because he's a great player. Um, but he's, I feel like he's suffered a lot of injuries, um, over the last couple of years. Uh, and he's only young. So I would like to keep him, um, especially if Potter truly thinks he could be a right wing back. Um, I think we'd be crazy to let him go. I think we should let him develop in that role for the year. If they see that happening, uh, and, you know, he could be the backup to um, Montoya this time next year. So for me, I would keep him, but I have a sneaky feeling he may be one of those five gone. Somebody else on that list is obvious, uh, Aaron Connolly. Um, he did not play in the under-23 squad this week. Uh, I know he was stated that he wants to break into the team too just this week, um, but he is at a weird stage, kind of like Knockout um, for a little while, where he was... Too good for the championship, but not good enough to be a standout player in the Premier League. Um, he is too good for under-23 football, um, but he's currently not good enough to fit into the 18, right? He isn't going to be able to... He isn't currently able to compete with Neil Mopai and Done. Um, so to me, I think he needs to go back on loan. Um, possibly to Luton. I don't know. Uh, he, had a bad, he had some bad luck there. Uh, struggled to make the team due to that injury. Um, so maybe not a good move for him. Uh, but I think he does need to go on loan. Uh, look at teams like Lincoln, right? Free score in Lincoln. Uh, put him in a team like that. And I think he could bag 20 plus goals in a season and come back somehow an even more cultured striker. Um, personally, I hope Connolly goes on loan. And uh, I think he will bag goals wherever he is. So that's another one that I hope pops off. Uh my fourth one um, is Tudor Baluta. So he broke onto the scene in the Euros, obviously, the Euro under-23s or under-21s, whatever it was, with Romania. Uh, I believe Puskas actually scored uh, a couple of goals for Reading today. Um, one of them was supposed to have been an absolute worldie. I'll catch up on that later. Um, but 
he isn't making a squad right now. Um, and he also didn't make the under-23 squad this week. So are we looking at moving him out for a season? Uh, he, like I said, he exploded onto the youth scene this summer. Um, and there's no doubt we could probably get him playing at a high level of football. Um, maybe we could pay back the Belgian Premier League. You know, we've already sent them Percy Tau. Maybe we could send them Tudor too. Um, or, you know, just a championship team, lower lower league championship team. Um, he would get very valuable minutes for a, good, for a decent side. Uh, personally, um, with Moy coming in more than anything, uh, and Basuma yet to come back, I think loaning out Baluta would be uh, a very, very smart decision. Um, and personally, they're the three I think uh, Baluta, Sanders, and Connolly will almost definitely go out on loan by the end of the transfer window. Um, and I think all three of them could be total game changers for whoever signs them. And my last one uh, is Ali Reza. Uh, should he go on loan? So he is quoted as wanting to break his way into the team um, and not wanting to quit. Uh, of course, Potter is the only one who knows what the reality is um, because he watches him in training every week. But he's not even been in the squad so far. Um, so he's obviously going to struggle right now. Uh but at the same time, if we lose one or two of our wingers slash strikers, um, he is going to get his shot in the team for better or worse, right? If we do lose, uh, you know, if we were to have um, Trossard and Mopay go down, um, Jahanbach is going to get a chance. Um, and looking at this current formation we're playing in, you can't help but wonder how he would fare, right? Uh, we all saw the the heat map last year of how he played at um, Alkmaar or PSV or wherever it was um, compared to how he's been played under Hutton. Um, and, you know, given the the more central they're asked to play um, and the higher line they're being allowed to play, um, that top three, it for all intents and purposes shows that he should excel there. Um, and it's something that I pointed out Ever since I did the Graham Potter podcast, this current formation in its current guise is absolutely perfect for Ali Reza. And if he still can't make it, it's worrying. It's a worrying sign. Um, but at the same time, do we have the depth to risk it with getting rid of Knockart as well? And is Kiedo still not being fit? So personally, I would keep him, but I'm not sure we do. So I think there's going to be a bit of movement still. Uh, before August rolls around, the end of August rolls around, September. Um, but, you know, it's one to keep an eye on. Um, we shall see. Two weeks' time, we'll be able to look back on this and see how wrong I was. <laughs> so, moving on to story number two, and that's obviously West Ham. Um, we just played this weekend, opening game at the Amex. Uh, Fortress Amex is not quite rebuilt, um, but the foundation is there, uh, and people are starting to pile the walls back up. So, um, we got three sections, uh, that we did before, um, that I've decided the overall stats of the game, the good and the bad. So we'll start with the stats, <clears throat> the overarching stats. We had 56% possession yesterday, uh, something that been a, been a long time coming, playing at home, getting sort of 56% possession. I'm not sure we ever had that, especially in 2019. Uh, we had 16 shots yesterday, four on target, um, 80% pass accuracy. Uh, we won 30 aerial battles to their 14. Um, and this was part of the game we ran today. Uh, we gave them very limited options in the attack um, because they had no chance of beating us in the air. Um, 
The only time this changed is when they brought Antonio on. Uh, it was outrageous just how often they were hoofing the ball clear and kind of immediately having to go back because their one man up front was Hernandez and he's, you know, he, he's got a choice of dueling Duffy, Dunk or Burn. It was stupid. I just couldn't understand why they kept doing it. Um, but the way we pressed them out wide was excellent. Uh, West Ham United were dispossessed 19 times to our 13. Uh, and Snodgrass and Masawaku, their right winger and their left back, uh, were dispossessed five and four times between them. Um, not letting them breathe out wide was a key point to our success because similar to Watford, um, they did the same thing at Watford, right? They totally suffocated uh, Delafeu. They'd suffocated Pereira. Um, they caused all sorts of problems for them out wide. So, for me, um, this the way we're, we're ruining people's days out wide was absolutely brilliant, um, and it was part of the reason we played so well. So, with playing so well, let's move on to the good. Uh, so, what did we see that we liked, right? And I feel like there's a lot of this that I'm going to say today that uh, is kind of stating the obvious, but why not? Uh, Leandro Trossard's debut, anybody? My goodness, um, what a player he looks. He was all over that front three. Um, we noticed it in preseason, uh, and he has been allowed to continue to do the same today. Yesterday, uh, four shots, one on target, one goal disallowed, uh, one goal scored. Um, a big chance when Pascal Gross slipped him in. Should have scored another. Um, could have had a hat trick today. Uh, he looks an absolute talent. He could be this year's talisman. Uh, he could be this year's Pascal Gross from the first year we were here. Um, only Glenn Murray had less touches than Trossard. Uh, Trossard had 38 touches, Murray 24, I believe. Um, but every time, it felt like every time he got a hold of the ball, he changed the game massively. Um, what a player. And my second one, uh, my uh, another player that was unreal, Pascal Gross, yesterday. Um, he wasn't outwardly excellent. You know, you didn't see him do crazy stuff yesterday, but five key passes... Um, he could have had multiple assists to his name, uh, and he did a job defensively too. He won three tackles, uh, and he committed a foul, no problem with that. Um, it looked like a strange front three though, because Murray and Gross have no pace whatsoever. Um, but the passing ability from Gross made it not matter somewhat, because Trossard is quick, uh, and with Montoya and Proper overlapping over there, um, it didn't matter too much, um, because he's so effective when he plays the ball. Um, and our wingbacks have to get another mention because it was another excellent performance in this formation. Um, the wingback role is the absolutely the most demanding of the roles that Potter has out there, no doubt. Um, it's something that we identified prior to the season starting. Again, my Graham Potter podcast I did uh, utilize the amount of work the wingbacks um, he wants them to make whenever he plays any kind of wingback. And, you know... Um, he just moments to go, uh, we break out on a counter in the 93rd minute and who is it sat there in a central attacking role for the second week running Montoya. Um, unbelievable. Four successful tackles, one key pass, uh, Solly March, two key passes, a shot on target, uh, one tackle, two successful clearances, um, and a stat that you don't see because it's hard to number, but the amount of times Solly March made himself first to a second ball multiple times was excellent. Um, 
I'm not going to go over him too much, but Dan Byrne was absolutely magnificent yesterday. Uh, we just covered him in a whole uh, story number four, so I don't want to go too deep into him, but he was outrageous as well. Um, absolutely excellent. So onto the bad, because we have to do the bad, right? We have to accept that we're not perfect. <laughs> um, and the biggest one was falling asleep at the back. Like, yikes. Um, the golds yesterday came from us falling asleep entirely. Uh, the ball was played through to Hernandez. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that at least one of those centre-halves would have been quick enough to come back and cause him problems at least. Uh, instead of doing that, they all just stood still and appealed for offside as he slotted into the back of the net. Um, really disappointing to see that. Uh, and allowing Lanzini to destroy us. Um, he ran the game for West Ham United yesterday. Uh, we did not have an answer for him. Um, one shot, four key passes, 88% pass accuracy, 79 touches. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Potter plans for our game against Manchester City in two weeks with so many of their players having that style that Lanzini plays. Um, when Lanzini is fit and on top of his game, he's a top six player and he showed that yesterday. Um, how is Potter going to deal with four or five of them? Um, would that be a time we possibly see someone like Bernardo take Duffy's spot? Um, you know, the worst football and centre-back we have is Shane Duffy, right? Are we going to replace him with pace and ball control? Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be Weber's day. Maybe that'll be the day we choose to debut Weber. Oh, what a brutal time to do that. Uh, I would just have to question how harsh Graham Potter is, right? Uh, choosing to play... <laughs> Choosing to play Weber in his debut game away at the Etihad, uh, but we shall see. So, one final bad uh, has to be finishing, right? Um, we had quite a bit of bad finishing yesterday. Uh, one from Trossard, as Gross slotted him in, uh, should have scored. Mopay had two very good opportunities. Uh, the half volley is never easy, but you must get it on target. Um, and another time, he let the ball run away from him twice. Uh, once it ran over him to his right and once it ran over to his left uh, you know he had a time where he could have took it around the keeper or at least done something a bit more than he did um, and one or two major headers from set pieces uh, that were onside should have been scored as well um, and yeah overall 1-1 uh, can't argue with it uh, and for those of you asking um, or thinking about VAR um, I'm going give to it, give it another week uh, Give it one more week to see what happens. Um, we got stung real bad this weekend, and I've seen a lot of stuff I don't like. <laughs> but um, before I... I'll, spoiler alert, I would be very shocked if one of my top five stories of the week isn't VAR in its entirety. Uh, but I'm, for one more week, I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it a break, um, and let's just see what happens next week too. So uh, I would love it if you all... Um, anybody listening to this could record some voice clips um, and send them to me. Um, what your thoughts on VAR are? Uh, I would love that. Uh, I will put every voice clip uh, that you send to me. Um, there's a ton of voice recording apps out there. Um, there's a ton of uh, ways to record any thoughts and feelings you have. Um, you can write them. You can whatever. Tweet them. Whatever you need to do. Uh, at Together BHA togetherbha at gmail.com um facebook instagram i would love to get your thoughts and feelings on var um and it may well dominate two or three stories if we can get enough so please 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 get to me 
with your VAR thoughts and we will put together a round table of thoughts and feelings on that process if we get enough of you. Um, so final story of the week is Southampton, of course. Now, Southampton have had uh, a rough week last week uh, playing Liverpool. Um, they got beat 2-1 by a very tired Liverpool uh, that still managed to perform well enough to sneak a win. Um, and honestly, Southampton were unlucky not to take more from that. Um, they played Liverpool on an incredibly bad day. And the annoying part about uh, these big teams is that they beat you anyway. Um, I have had the pleasure of being invited on to a podcast called In That Number. Um, it's by a pair of Saints fans who are very much uh, into their into their game as much as I am. So um, I just spoke to them just an hour ago, um, and I will be retweeting their pod for sure. Uh, and if you want to hear a little bit more about me personally um, and how I came about to make this podcast um, and just some thoughts and feelings from Albion and Saints fans together... Uh, uh, I will be retweeting it, so by all means, feel free to take a listen. They sound like two great guys. Um, I'll be taking a listen for sure, just to see what they think about their side of the game against us. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, how did they line up? 3-5-2. Uh, Vestergaard, Yoshida, and Bednarek at the back. Gone in goal. Good goalkeeper, too. Uh, Bertrand and Valerie on uh, the wingback roles. Ward Prowse, uh, Hoiberg, and Ro- Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. I don't know how you say that bloody name. I've heard about eight different versions of it. Uh, che Adams, once of Brighton uh, scout fame. Uh, and Nathan Redmond up front. Um, be interesting to see how much he actually played as a striker. Uh, I'll be sure to listen to that podcast and find out, I guess. Um, Danny Ings came on and scored. Probably, you know, could he start this weekend? Uh, possibly. Um... But I think this week, uh, the biggest thing we're going to have to do uh, to win this game is going to be the battle of the wingbacks, right? They play three at the back with two very decent wingbacks. Um, I think it's going to be whoever dominates that wide positions um, are going to win this game. Um, I think we're going to win it. I think we will. But it's a six-pointer, right? This is the biggest game of the season for us so far because these are one of the teams you'd expect to be in that bottom eight with us. So... Let's see how it goes. Um, I would expect them to line up probably the same way, um, but possibly with Danny Ings starting over one of their players. Uh, Don't know who would go out, Um, but I would expect him to play simply because he's too good not to get starts sooner or later. Um, And yeah, let's hope we can uh, continue the building of the rebuilding of the Fortress Amex. Um, It's going to be a big game, no doubt. Let's see if we can get some wins on the board. Um, we have the displeasure of having to play a team right after them playing a top two side again. So, you know, looking at the review, it's tough because they played Liverpool and it's not really representative of what they would do against us. So we shall see. Um, That is it from me. Uh, My 11. Let me do my 11 real quick. Ryan in goal, absolutely. Uh, Back five, the same. Montoya, Duffy, Dunk, Byrne, Solly March. think he's adapting incredibly to that left wing back role my middle is the same um in fact i'm going for the same 11 uh as they had this year this week um but actually i'm taking out glenn murray um and i'm bringing in lucardia i think he has more physicality than the others that are on the bench uh slightly bigger and i don't know just a gut feeling don't think it'll happen like, but that's just me. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, 
look forward to speaking to you all next week. As I said, please get in touch with me for the VAR stuff. I would love to have all of your thoughts on this show next week. Um, Enjoy your week. Be safe.